0: Yellowstone National Park. It is a destination for geothermal geysers, wildlife, canyons, waterfalls, and much more. At the center of all of these must-see items, there is a simple cabin and a quiet old man with his trusty Kodachrome slides. This man is Steve Fuller. For the past 45 years, he has been the winter keeper for Canyon Village in Yellowstone. With a beard, pilled fleece vest, and a story always at the ready, he is a bit of a grandfatherly figure. With his love for Moby Dick, Chinese history, and many critiques of society, he is an intellectual. Perhaps the most indicative characteristic, though, is his comfort with solitude, as he spends every year snowed out of society. Steve was hired as a winter keeper in 1973 from an applicant pool that included only himself. It was a unique position for a unique person.
1: My only job description was to keep the, enough snow off the roofs of hundred buildings that they didn't collapse. Traditional tools are a cross-cut saw and a coal scoop shovel. You cut big blocks and skid them off the roof. Your only ally is gravity.
0: While most winter keepers were fairly temporary, Steve has been there nearly half a century. And still, after all this time, he finds joy in his tasks.
1: times on the roof, some of my favorite times. Ravens, Overhead, the only company, you're up on the top of a roof, you're executing a craft in a craftsman-like way. A lot of satisfaction in that simple work, you know. And most of us don't have simple work anymore.
0: As Steve spent more time living a simple life with just what he needed, Family, fire, and room to wander, he started to recognize a disturbing disconnect between his lifestyle and the dominant culture outside. This drove him deeper into his own world
1: you know i didn 't go anywhere. I really lived here the year round, and i 'd go out to the outside world, and you know was just appalled by the ugliness of strip malls and uh, you know, highway congestion and uh, disparate, incompatible architecture. Mm-hmm. But living here in a relatively unhumanized landscape, you know it was startling to look at what we uh, the human landscapes we've created, which in many ways are just incredibly ugly.
0: While the outside world is driven by hectic consumerism, Steve's world within the Yellowstone winter is spacious. When the temperatures and visitation drop, the snow closes the road and Steve settles in.
1: The park generally closes to the public the first Monday in November. A great quiet settles over the park.
0: Steve's winter schedule is dictated by the weather. If buildings don't need tending, then Steve is free to explore. Sometimes he rode Ashwa, the horse love of his life. And other times, when the snow was too deep for hooves, Steve would take to his own feet for wandering.
1: You know, there were times that I would go out on a buffalo carcass. I'd go out, walk out into the valley when it was still pitch dark, find a place maybe to hole up in the sagebrush and just lay there until the sun went down. And you just watch the arc of the sun change of the light, the wind coming up, clouds coming and going, maybe some voles or moles or trolls running around in the sagebrush around you, oblivious that you were there.
0: Moments like this illustrate Steve's unique life. Yet, as romantically isolated as it seems, Steve's time in Yellowstone has not been untouched by the changes of society. Rather, the park has been a microcosm for Steve magnifying the broader issues of American culture.
1: I mean, our culture, which has become global, you know, monetizes everything. Um, Profit is the only measure, in most cases, of worth. We've been created as domesticated consumer livestock. Stuff is the measure of our lives, of our successes or failures, we're driven, you know, by money, our conspicuous consumption. You know, so what you see in the park is just one more manifestation of what uh, defines our country.
0: Over the course of his time, the park has changed drastically. Visitation numbers have reached over four million and continue to grow this increased visitation will necessitate some sort of response from the park. But what that response is, and what it will mean for Steve, is unclear.
1: There's a a lot of questioning about what do we do about it? Do we put on, do we put gate quotas? You know, do we have mass transportation? Uh, All of which are challenging and difficult, but uh, these uh, places like Yellowstone are getting to be really small and fragile and easily impacted. And, you know, what is the limit? You know, when, does, when do we come to true gridlock? We're building bigger and bigger highways, more and more parking lots, but if you, when you do that, the people will come, and they will continue to come.
0: Like Steve says, the people will come, and as they do, the tourist season will stretch, and Steve's long, quiet winters will slip by the wayside.
1: Plows used to come the middle of April. Nowadays they come the second week in March, which seems very premature. It's still deep winter.
0: For Steve, these changes to Yellowstone mark an end.
1: You know, I'm uh, an anachronism. I'm the last of the winter keepers. Uh, that kind of experience um, will be no more. You know, you. I don't know, to be a winter keeper you need isolation, solitude, uh, freedom from uh, others uh, setting your day-to-day, week-to-week agenda. I often lost track of what day of the week it was. I simply worked when, it had to be, when I had to work because of the weather. I used to listen to the BBC on shortwave and I got the uh, Le Monde. Washington Post uh, Guardian airmail edition, which came out every week. I usually saw it about a month to six weeks later, and that was my connection with the outside world, and that was fine. And of course now I'm burdened with uh, satellite uh, access to the web. I always wanted to live at the top of the mountain and have access to the uh, Library of Congress, and here I am. I got it.
0: Steve's story is one of nostalgia. As the world rapidly changes and his lifestyle becomes a relic of the past, Steve holds on. He continues to live in his cabin, and though he has taken up digital photography, his preferred lens is from an earlier time. He still sees the world through Kodachrome eyes. For National Public Lands Radio, I'm Eliza Anderson-Deepenbrock.